Hi there, everybody. Karen Ropey here for ZDNet for Jason Square with Jason Cipriani and Jason Perlow. Uh, with me, guys, today we're talking about Worldwide Developers Conference for 2019. Of course, so much information really coming out of this. Lots to talk about here, guys, uh, in terms of software enhancements, uh, that new Mac, all of that good stuff. So let's start, though, with you, Jason Cipriani, on the iPad OS. Lots of things here. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so like you just said, Apple just held their Worldwide Developer Conference. It kicked off on Monday, opening keynote, big thing. And leading up to that, there were a lot of rumors and speculation that Apple was finally going to take the iPad a little bit more serious. You know, they've had this narrative for the past four or five years that the iPad can replace a computer. And in the broad scheme of things, for the majority of people, it probably can. But there were a lot of things preventing it from taking that next step. Well, what Apple did on Monday is they took the core OS, which has been referred to as iOS since the iPad first came out, and they renamed it iPad OS. And that seems small when you first look at it, but actually it's a big indication that Apple is finally taking the iPad a little bit more serious, is adding new features such as improved multitasking flow. You can now plug a USB thumb drive into the iPad and access files on it, which was impossible before. Um, and it's showing that they're going to add the product productivity tools that not only the everyday common user are going to use, but perhaps enterprise and business users as well. And for me, it by far was the most exciting announcement that Apple made during that opening keynote. Yeah, I agree with you on that, Jason. I love my iPad. Glad to hear that they're uh, enhancing it uh, a, a, to a really good degree here. So uh, what are your thoughts on this, uh, Jason Perlow? So I think, you know, making the iPad more serious is a logical progression for Apple. You know, obviously, you know, we've they've spent the last 30 years, 20, realistic last 15 years uh, with the new version of the Mac architecture or OS X, uh, OS 10, excuse me, uh, becoming the, the prevalent, you know, desktop operating system for the company. Now, as, as uh, the, the, the ARM architecture in the iPad has matured as, as these chips have become more powerful. Um, the iPad uh, is able to perform tasks that are much more like desktop computers now. So if you consider what the mobile professional needs, a lot of them in the business realm are walking around with devices kind of like um, Microsoft Surface, which are touchscreen convertible um, notebook computers. Um, Apple really hasn't had a solution that was similar to Microsoft's for the last five years or so. Uh, the the MacBook has never really been touch enabled, hasn't really hasn't been touch enabled, um, and so it's so sort of the iPad and the and the MacBook Pro have sort of been on, on two different uh, development targets. What we're seeing is the two development targets for the operating system starting to merge, um, and perhaps we might see the platforms. Um, become more unified uh, sometime in the future. All right, and, and Jason, we're going to stick with you here for this, uh, talking about the apps from the iPad now uh, moving to the Mac uh, through Project Catalyst. So what does this mean for Mac users, Jason? Well, obviously, you know, when we look at the application uh, footprint um, for Apple's ecosystem, the majority of it is in iOS and for the iPad you know, the iPhone and for the iPad, the iPad, I believe has, I don't know, something where close to um, a million applications um, that, that it can install on it. Uh, the Mac doesn't have that kind of ecosystem. And that's kind of been sort of the, uh, the main weakness of the Mac um, historically when it compares to environments like Windows. Um, so what this allows developers to do is to take the source code of an iPad application 
and easily converted so that it runs with the same desktop modality and all the other things that you expect on a Mac. Um, so this allows there to be a single development target for both iPad and Mac in the future. Um, what does this mean immediately? Well, obviously there are some applications that might convert fairly easily over and work fairly well. There are some that might not. Um, so I think that um, in the immediate term, I don't think there'll be a tremendous amount of benefit, a tremendous amount of applications ported. I think you might see companies like Microsoft take a look at things like Outlook and perhaps port that over to the Mac using, using uh, Catalyst because I think that the Outlook version uh, 2019 that currently runs on the Mac that's you know, is that's kind of like sort of pseudo ported from Windows is a bit of a clutch. It's very resource intensive. So there are a lot of thinner, lighter applications that can be ported to Macintosh um, that will that will benefit from this from this uh, this translation or, or, or rather de software development layer um, that is going to be introduced shortly. Okay, no doubt on that. And Jason, do you uh, have any thoughts to add there on Project Catalyst? I think it's an exciting approach and it's sort of moving towards the unification of iOS and macOS apps as a whole. I mean, I think the next step is probably iPhone apps somehow coming to Mac as well. But where I'm a little concerned about what Project Catalyst brings is Apple made it seem really easy on stage during the keynote that developers had to check a box and then maybe rework a couple of things. And realistically, if you look at even the iOS app store and the Mac app store as it is now, developers can kind of tend to be lazy at times, right? And if they can hear they need to check a box and that's all they need to do and then publish the app, um, I, I'm really concerned about what kind of quality apps we're gonna see come out of it without developers putting in the little bit of extra effort to put out a well-rounded project catalyst designed and built app for the Mac. But overall, I'm excited about the potential uh, use cases like Jason just said, of bringing Outlook, the iPad version Outlook to Mac is huge. I know Spark email is another um, email application. I know they're uh, probably looking at doing it as well, which would be- All Google stuff, the Gmail client, you know, those things like that, yeah, you know. I, I mean, there, there's huge potential. I just think that developers need to take the time and get it right, I hope on launch day, maybe we have a couple of apps. Twitter's already said they're gonna support and actually use a new Mac app now that'll be frequently updated. But yeah, I, I just hope that they take the time and actually get it right once they port their map, map port their app over to the Mac, sorry. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Yeah, some great discussion there. Uh, interesting points. And it will be interesting to see how uh, that all unfolds. Um, all right, well, let's switch gears here a little bit. Uh, to the watch, uh, some changes here, Jason Cipriani, we're going to start with you and the watch now becoming more of an independent device, really. Yeah, it's kind of amazing how we went from this accessory that's tethered and tied to your iPhone. Um, and over the course of the years, Apple has slowly integrated new features, cellular connectivity a couple years ago. Uh, just last year, we had streaming music uh, added to it, but only within Apple's own apps. And this year, they've added a dedicated app store where you can actually browse on your watch and download Apple Watch-specific apps to your watch without ever having to install an app on your phone. And it, it's kind of fun to watch the progression of the watch is becoming its own device. And really, that's kind of the overall theme of WWDC in a way. Like Apple is struggling with selling iPhones just as the rest of the smartphone industry is. And so they're having to look at different devices. And now the iPad is becoming its own platform. The Apple Watch is becoming its own platform and becoming less dependent on the, or on the iPhone. 
it's still, you still need one. You still need an iPhone to set up an Apple watch and yeah. all that, but we're taking baby steps uh, in getting there. And then another uh, awesome feature that they added is the ability to stream content no matter what third-party developer is wants to access it. So you can stream podcasts and through Pocket Casts or, or uh, another, your favorite podcast app that's integrated with watchOS 6. It's been a fun journey to watch and I look forward to seeing what they do, uh, you know, going forward with it. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, any final thoughts on that, Jason uh, Perlow? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, having the watch being a more independent operating system from the iPhone is going to be great. Although what I'm really excited about is all the improvements for health and sensors that they've added to the device. Um, as you know, they've added a few things such as uh, menstrual cycle uh, stuff for women, which I think is going to be great uh, for, for women. Um, the other thing that I thought was really cool, and I actually got to experience it after I installed the watchOS 6 beta recently, uh, was the audio uh, sensor for high volume, high decibel levels. Um, and then what that does is if you turn that on, if you're in an environment that's excessively loud, um, the Apple Watch will, uh, will start to warn you and say, this is 90 plus decibels. If you experience this for more than a half an hour, you could have, you could have, you could have a hearing damage. Um, you know, down in Florida, we have some very loud restaurants um, with very loud music and things. I'm getting to be almost 50 years old. So now every place I go to feels like it's loud. But I was at a loud restaurant last night and um, you know the watch kicked off a a, 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 a message saying this is a loud restaurant. Uh, you 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 need to you know you shouldn't be in here. I think that once that operating system gets on you know hundreds of thousands of users' um, watches, we're going to start seeing people you know walking up to the front desk at restaurants and in droves saying, hey, this 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 volume is way too loud. Um, you need to reduce it. The other possibility, which I think could be very interesting is if that API for that audio sensor is available to, to applications like Yelp and, and, and other uh, social media services where you could, in fact, immediately report this to a review site and say, hey, you know, when I was there, the decibel level was 120. Um, this is unhealthy. So I think that could add a completely new dimension to things like restaurant um, and event space reviews. Yeah, definitely some great enhancements uh, to the watch that we're all looking forward to, especially as they pertain to health. Um, some great discussion about WWDC. We have so much more for you on ZDNet and a great edition of Jason Squared coming up next time. Thanks for watching.